The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus instructed the twelve as follows. Anyone who prefers father or mother to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who prefers son or daughter to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow in my footsteps is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. Anyone who loses his life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And those who welcome me welcome the one who sent me. Anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will have a prophet's reward. And anyone who welcomes a holy man because he is a holy man will have a holy man's reward. If anyone gives so much as a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is a disciple, then I tell you solemnly, he will most certainly not lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. As I was looking over this Sunday's readings and last Sunday's readings, I was thinking to myself, I wish there was a way to not lose the kind of episodic quality of the readings because we hear reading after reading and we think yeah that's a good gospel this sunday but there's a thread that's drawn through them all you know the the church didn't take the bible and shuffle it up and say yeah that'll do for this sunday we're we're making a pilgrimage i often say this the lectionary that we read from is not 52 bible study lessons that we take every year it's not 160 uh what is it 156 bible lessons we take every three years that's not what we're doing we are hearing and, and therefore encountering the true and living God who's calling us to himself, who's plunging us into this kind of very, very profound encounter with himself, a transformational encounter, ever more deep insofar as we're willing to be plunged, you know. Um, so in a sense, we've become very familiar with these episodes, but this isn't like chucking on <laughs> your favorite rerun of Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, yeah, this is the episode where such and such happens. No, this is not that kind of thing. Um, in the best shows that we do get really devoted to, and sometimes we do get really devoted to the shows we love, we, we, we know how episodes connect to each other. It's like, oh, he'd never do that because back in season three, you know what I mean? The scripture is at least as deep and interwoven as that. I always remember Jordan Peterson. He says, all of scripture is hyperlinked. You know, you click one text and it goes to another text. And you click that and it goes to another text. The whole thing is, um, is interwoven. Two Sundays ago, Jesus called the 12 to himself, Peter and Andrew, his brother, and their cousins, James and John, etc., etc. He called them. Peter's nodding because he remembers being called. Uh, and, and, then, and then he started teaching them. And that's what last Sunday and this Sunday opened with. Jesus instructed the 12 as follows. And he's giving them this privileged catechesis because these are the ones he's going to send to be apostles to the nations. What he teaches them in private the whole nation is going to come gathered to, and they're not quite going to get it, so they're going to need the apostles with them. That's why we have bishops. We need, we need these people that God has sent to join us on the journey. We're all on the journey together. Uh, pretty soon, Jesus is going to start teaching the crowds, though, along with the disciples, and he's going to be teaching them in parables. And we remember the parables, right? The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, or it's like a dragnet, or it's like... Um, you know, someone who sowed a seed in a field, or it's like treasure buried in a field, etc., etc. 
These are the episodes that we are being primed for. We're about to hear them, not for the first time, but I think the challenge is to hear them as if for the first time, and yet in the context of everything we've heard the Lord already say, everything we've seen the Lord already doing in each of our lives. It's not written in the scriptures, but it's written in your life to continually deepen your encounter with what we're coming into contact with now. That's the challenge. Therefore, take today's gospel with you, with all its radicality, as you hear the teachings pour forth in the weeks to come. Anyone who prefers father or mother to me is not worthy of me. Anyone who prefers son or daughter or anything, even themselves, even their own life to me, is not worthy of me. These are some pretty jarring words, eh? Like, I think you can't be unsettled by them. If you're not unsettled, it hasn't really hit the mark. Um, the people you love most, the people you ought to love most, Christ is to come before that. Sort of, he's sort of meant to um, impregnate those very, those very spaces between those relationships. If not, where is Christ in our life? You know, Christ can't be out there somewhere on the peripheries. It doesn't work. It's not where he wants to be. He wants to be in the middle of everything in a totally non-egotistical way. It's jarring because if we hear anyone else talk like this, we say, well, nick off. <laughs> Maybe I'm not worthy of you and you're not worthy of me. Go take, you know, catch the bus. <laughs> um, and, and, and I think the language is so jarring that it reminds me of only one other place that I've heard this kind of very radical, very... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the word is. It's almost abusive. It's like, it's like very, very um, unnecessary language in a way. The only other place that I've heard it, and it sort of um, marks the whole system in play, is gangs. I remember a few years ago, I saw a documentary on gangs, and it was looking at gangs in different places of the world, gangs in prison, all that kind of stuff. And you look at the way the gang functions with these profound pledges of fidelity like i lay my life down for this weird structure i've come to count on this is how the gang functions um pledges of unwavering loyalty loyalty yes on the basis of fear on the basis of power on the basis of um you know great great threat that's not really the 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 way jesus works but um but the radicality itself is similar, I think. And therefore, it's worth thinking, okay, if the gang <laughs> down in wherever the ghetto of the nearest um, you know, little, little nook of our community is, if they can express that kind of fidelity, we ought to express at least the same kind of fidelity to the degree, not, the, not in nature, but in degree. Think about that. Think about that. Um, this, is, this is what I saw. Um, now think about this for a second, because this is how the fidelity of the gang, in a sense, challenges us, but in quality it's completely different to us, because we know that Jesus <clears throat> is not a big mob boss, you know, to put it crudely. Jesus makes these high demands because he's God, who loves us. He asks us to treat him with the absolute worth, because in the most ironic sense, that's the way he sees and treats us. He forsakes, um, let's say, the the bliss of heaven with his father or the the unity that he has with, with those he's gathered to himself to even his own life 
for the worth that he sees in every single person here and every single soul on the planet. This is the radicality of Jesus. Um, it's, it's terrifying. It's a terrifying fidelity. Therefore, he's calling us into that. Um, the reading then goes on to something that we would recognize as sacramentality. Um, we know Jesus is everywhere, and we know Jesus is certainly here, present to us. But Jesus desires to speak through everything that we're doing, to speak through the, 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 the word proclaimed, through the sacramental symbols, through the community gathered, through the prayers we're going to raise in our own voices, through the, through the preaching and the ministry of the priests, all of that. Jesus desires to be sacramentally encountered in those ways. To the point where he says, if you receive a prophet or a holy man or a disciple of the Lord, indeed you are receiving the Lord himself in faith. This is why obedience in the church is such a powerful thing. Because it's not about subordinating yourself to some you know, sinner who's just as flawed as you are, which is what obviously I am, probably more flawed. But it's about subordinating ourselves to Christ who has come into all the spaces that we could even imagine and more. Fidelity in the church is, is really only about fidelity to Christ who's broken in, who's here in our midst. Um, the reading there says, if you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. I was thinking to myself, in the gangs, you've got all these kinds of patsies and middlemen, and no one really knows who the invisible person behind is pulling the threads. You know, he's, he's, No one knows who he is. He's the super rich guy in his palace somewhere. That's not God. God is invisible, sure. But God is on the front line. He comes invisibly without any defense to be wounded and battered and hated and blasphemed and killed and, and, and tossed to the side. I mean, this is how God in his vulnerability is treated by the world. Uh, the, the, the God came to his own as the light to the world and they preferred darkness. He came to his own and they would not receive him. They didn't recognize him. I want these readings to challenge, they're certainly challenging me. I want them to challenge all of us in the sense that God is inviting us to his own radicality of love. He's inviting us to love as he loves. Really, this is his only invitation ever. I love you. Abide in my love. It's like as simple as that. If we can do that, if we can place God at the very center, at the, at the top and at the bottom, at the left and the right, everywhere, if we, if we place God and our sincere love for him, if we experience and taste and relish his sincere love for us, which is unceasing, the whole system changes. You know, I wonder sometimes, people probably look at the church, and if they're unfamiliar with it, then maybe they do see it as a gang. Oh, yeah, it's all about power and corruption and, you know, authority, and they've got their own agenda. That's a shame, but in a sense, that's what they've got to work with, you know? That's the best that the world can come up with. Big gangs that are a little bit benevolent. This is not the church. This is not the hierarchy or the order or the mission or the organization of the church. The church beats with the loving heart of God, who is at the center of all our hearts. If I can invite us just now as we approach the altar, let's place our love for God and God's love for us at the very center of everything we could ever think to do, of everything we've ever done. Let's lay our lives down for him 
who sees us as worthy because he too is worthy.